Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. All right, they're going to pass those things along. All right, what is January? Is it the 10th? Is it the 10th? Things are going pretty good this year so far, right? Hey, here's what I want to talk about today is uh, the idea of having wantings, having wantings. Um, There's a, a saying that goes like this, the best, the very best havings are wantings. The very best havings are wantings. Does that make any sense? Best havings are wantings. That in Psalm 37, it says in Scripture that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, that He will give us the desires of our hearts. If we delight ourselves in Him, He'll give us the desires of our hearts. When I was a new believer, I took that to mean He's going to give me everything that I want. A few years later, smarter people informed me that it was actually, no, he's going to give you desires. He's going to give you new things that you desire, new things that you want, godly things that you want. That one of the greatest havings, one of the greatest things you can have are godly wantings, things that meet up with his heart, things that make him proud, things that make God smile, things that change the world, in the name of the kingdom of God. And so the best havings are actually wantings. Uh, One of the things we talk about a lot around here is the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom of God is one of my favorite subjects. Um, whoa, we got more, we got more boost. What, oh, this guy? What, what do I need to do? There's a bug on me? Why do you always got to blame me? Testing, one, two. All right. Man, no, I didn't have power. Do I have power? No, what? No! You can't give it and take it away. (laughs) Test one, two. There we go. All right, so as I was saying, we talk about the the kingdom of God a lot. Um, The kingdom of God is... uh, that's a big subject. We can't get into everything about that. But the kingdom of God is a, a thing that is um, it's already and it's not yet. Um, it is already here in bits and pieces. Um, we get to experience some parts of it, but we have not experienced it in its fullness yet. We won't know the full expression of the kingdom of God until Jesus comes back. Until Jesus turns this earth into heaven, we'll, we'll have to jump. We'll have to dig into all that later. But when Jesus showed up on the scene, 
and began to preach to people, he talked about the good news, the good news that it was here. And a lot of us, when we think of the good news, we think, well, the good news is that Jesus died on a cross for us. And so we are able to experience forgiveness and salvation because he died on a cross for us. But the thing is, when Jesus showed up, nobody knew that story yet. He was still alive. He was still walking around. And yet he was still talking about the good news being there. That the good news actually was that the kingdom of God had arrived on earth in Jesus showing up. And that there was a new reality possible. That the good news was that the gospel was here. It took on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Uh, it wasn't just that Jesus died for your sins. The disciples didn't have any idea that Jesus was going to have to die yet. What they heard from Jesus was that there is this good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. And it's a new way of living. It's a new reality. It's a new understanding about what God is doing in the earth bringing heaven to earth. And what Jesus started to do with people is give them this, this feeling of, okay, so we have, there, there's something more out there. There's something better. There's, um, he started to make people homesick for heaven, even though they'd never experienced it before. Have you ever been homesick? Like, have you ever gone to camp or anything, or you went on a trip where you were away from your family for a time and you were, you were just home, you were like achy inside, like I need my, it was this feeling of I'm, I'm starting to become homesick for something that I don't even really understand completely. The kingdom of God was this idea that there was something, thanks, I hope I don't, I don't know how to use these ever. I'll put it over here. The kingdom of God was the, the, the promise of a, you know, a, better, a better reality. And so all of us had been living in the natural. Um, we're starting to talk about the supernatural part. The kingdom of God is the supernatural part. And so we're used to the natural. And in the natural, we kind of get how things work. But in the supernatural, as the kingdom of God starts to poke through, imagine that there's... Hello, test one, two. How back for a second. I'm going to put it in my front pocket. Let's do that. Let's try that. In the natural, um, we experience things a certain way. The supernatural brings about a different reality. If you can imagine like a... Um, say that there's a very, very, very dark room that you're in. And the kingdom of God is behind a very, very dark sheet on one side of that room. And all of a sudden, holes start to get poked in that sheet and light pours through. And when it's just one little hole, you, you know, all of a sudden I can see a little bit. Another gets poked. I can see a little bit more. I can see a little bit more. And as they are getting poked through... 
you start to see this new, this new possibility. I know that sounds crazy talk right now, but in the kingdom of God, um, we get hungry for different things than in the kingdom of this world. In the natural, when we're hungry, uh, it's because we didn't eat food. In the kingdom of God, um, you get hungry in a different way. With this last kind of week's events in our country, what I was feeling the past several days is just homesick for heaven. Um, just that feeling of, I know that there's, I know that there's something better out there and more and different than this natural reality that we're in. And I'm feeling homesick for that. And I want to go home. And not that I want to give up the ghost. Not that I want to meet with Jesus right now for the rest of time. But that I'm homesick for heaven. The kingdom of God is a bit different than the natural world that we live in. When we get hungry, it's because we didn't eat. In the kingdom of God, what I've seen is a lot of times you get more and more hungry the more you eat. The more you eat, the hungrier you get. That when you've tasted the kingdom of God, you want more. And you never stop wanting more. You just want more all the time. You're like, I, the, I, I don't want to stop this at all. And so some of you may have experienced before where if you don't eat for a very long time, your stomach will shrink over time. If you keep not eating or you keep eating very small amounts, your stomach can shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink. And eventually, you'll, you'll just be not hungry. Some people I've seen who are believers have not eaten spiritual food in a long time and their stomachs have been shrinking and they've gotten to a point where they're not hungry anymore for God where they're just they're just yeah I'm kind of and they're starting to find other kinds of food elsewhere I want to talk today about a topic that I believe is, uh, I know it's something that, that I've been uh, challenged and called to recently. Um, I didn't want to do it, and I, I still don't want to do it. And <laughs> that's the topic of fasting. The topic of fasting. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Um, it's mentioned in the Bible 77 times. It's mentioned more than baptism. It's mentioned more than a lot of things. It's very important in Scripture. Fasting is a staple of multiple different religions. Uh, fasting has been recorded historically just all over the place. In the late 1700s, George Washington wrote that he fasted before certain battles. Because he was calling upon God to bring his presence with him because he didn't know how this was, how he was possibly going to win. Abraham Lincoln, during his presidency, called on the nation, the United States, to 
take part in prayer and fasting with him. He called on us three different times to take a day to pray and fast, to seek God and invite him into the middle of just really hard stuff that was going on because there weren't natural, regular world answers that were working. And so he said, what we need to do together is we need to fast and pray. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that I would say we hate more than any other one. Uh, When I was a new believer, it became interesting to me at some point, and I think that I I tried it once and we we said we were going to not eat this entire day Uh, we were going to fast and i i forgot at lunchtime like i skipped breakfast and then i just wasn't thinking about it and it's lunch and i ate something and it was about two hours later and i went i messed i messed up fasting over the years we tried it at different times for different reasons but i remember the, the, the most impactful time was when our small group decided to do a fast together where we would fast for 21 days. Whoa. I know. It was a Daniel fast, and you can look up what, what that is interpreted as, but essentially Daniel in the Old Testament was seeking God, and he needed answers from God, and he committed that he was going to abstain from eating all food for a few days and then only allow himself to eat like certain grains and nuts and things like that and he was going to keep not eating all the things that he loved until the lord spoke until the lord came and showed him something an answer that he needed and so we committed together to do this um we you can come up with your own rules around it and things, what, you know, however bold you are. But I remember I didn't eat for the first three days. And um, halfway through the second day, I thought I was going to die. And I thought it was stupid. And this isn't working. And I remember having some kind of encounter where... By the end of the third day, it it was like going to sleep that night. I'm basically committing, I'll never eat again. God, you are giving me stuff that I haven't got before, and I'm going to keep this going. (laughs) Eventually, I started cheating. I remember it was McDonald's fries was the first thing because I somehow justified that it was like a green or something. I don't know. But I remember receiving different kinds of things from God than I had ever received before. Fasting is a, a spiritual discipline. It's a, it's a practice that is not taken part in very often anymore. Um, it's a discipline that you actually feel in your body. You feel in your mind. And you can do it the wrong way. It's not just whatever you feel like. Let's read Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, verse 9. It says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men 
went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector. Boo! The Pharisee stood by himself, and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, the robbers and the evildoers and the adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. Uh, Before we go further, this is what I always refer to in my head as the pride monster is rearing up. The pride monster is all over this. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so in this story, we have a man who believes himself to be righteous and pure and holy and says that he fasts twice a week, and Jesus says he's doing it wrong. That the man who didn't fast at all, the man who didn't hold his head up high, the man who said, I'm a sinner, was the one who was going to be exalted. This is because the thing I've found is that Jesus is extremely against the pride monster. He's always against the pride monster. And I've seen the pride monster uh, rising up a lot lately. The pride monster has uh, reared itself in an unbelievable way. Um, Just everything I see on the news, I'm going, that's the pride monster. That's the pride monster. And I feel bad. We had people storming the Capitol and, and... and stealing things, breaking things, smiling, laughing, yada, yada, all these crazy stuff. And I'm, I'm going, oh my, it's just, there's a, pro, and I feel bad because, I feel bad because a lot of times it's really hard to tell the difference between being led by the Holy Spirit or being led by pride. And so I feel for these people that I could have fallen into that same kind of trap at different times. That I could have thought that I was trying to be righteous and pure and holy and true, and I could have thought that I was being led by the Holy Spirit and not noticed, not noticed when the pride monster was rising up and that I was following him. And we do it for a lot of different things. We don't, like, we don't want to be wrong. We don't want to be wrong. And so if it feels like somebody's going to say we're wrong, it feels like somebody's going to say we're dumb. Or somebody's going to say we're bad. And so instead of letting them say that, we double down. And we let the pride monster take over. And we follow it a lot of times. Let's get back to fasting. My family uses DoorDash. 
fasting in the era of DoorDash is interesting. Because right now we live in a time where it's, it's like you're, you can get anything you want whenever, pretty much. Like we're in the middle of a pandemic. I can still get french fries right now in like 20 minutes. Just brought here. But the thing is, um, fullness isn't always good, and emptiness isn't always bad. Fullness isn't always good, and emptiness isn't always bad. We're, we live in, and it's 2021, and so it's, um, we don't like experiencing any discomfort whatsoever. Fasting is all about discomfort. And we're like, but I don't have to do that now. I have enough money, or I have enough people, enough time, enough resources, enough delivery services, enough, what, I, I, don't, I don't have to experience discomfort, but being full all the time isn't always good, and being empty isn't always bad. The physical act of fasting, what I'm talking about today, um, is not something that's going to help your standing with God. I don't know how many of you have ever fasted from something. Um, how many of you have fasted before in your life? Good number of you. Like, fasting is not going to be the thing that automatically changes your standing with God. Like, well, I fasted like seven times, and so now you're going to get a bigger mansion or something. It doesn't work that way. Uh, it's all about the purpose of your fasting, like why you did it and what what you, were, what you were trying to get out of it. The fasting I'm talking about most specifically is from food. Because I think that's the hardest. And the idea is that um, your hunger for God would become stronger than your hunger for food during the process. That when you get... <clears throat> physical sensations in your body that they would point you to spiritual realities. That I'm getting this hunger pain, I'm getting this, oh my God, I'm, I'm starving. And if you were to fast for a biblical purpose, you're looking for an answer to prayer, maybe you're fasting for salvation for a family or friend. I've fasted before so that my sister would say, stay sober from drugs. I've fasted for family and friends to be saved. I've fasted before for um, uh, pornography addiction that I would be released from it. I've fasted from... Um, that I would be nicer to my wife. I fasted for a bunch of different things. But if you're doing it for a purpose, it, it kind of changes everything. If you fast for no reason, and I know that a lot of you have grown up Catholic, and I'm not smacking anything Catholic, but in my experience from talking with many of you, just the fasting, the not eating anything, oh, we eat fish on Fridays kind of thing. Like, I've met a lot of people who didn't seem to have a spiritual reason behind it. 
And if there's not a spiritual reason, a purpose behind it, what's going to happen is you're going to fast and you're going to say, I'm hungry. Oh, that's right. I'm fasting. How, when is this going to be over? Uh, what, what's the point of And it's going to be done and you, might, you may not get anything out of it ever at all. No closer to God at all. The fasting that I'm wanting to lead you towards is a thing where it should be something like, oh my gosh, my stomach is growling, I have a headache. Oh, that's right, I'm fasting. Why am I fasting? That's right. So that... Um, so that my kids will know and love the Lord. Why am I fasting? For the United States of America to be a place that I'm proud of. Why am I fasting? So that this unrest would have supernatural peace flow through it. Why am I fasting? So that the Spirit of God would be tangible and recognizable on earth as it is in heaven. Why am I fasting? And so you do it for a reason. You get a hunger feeling, a pain, and it's a prompting. It's a reminder. I need to press into this. Why am I doing this? Here's why. I'm going to pray into it harder. And what I found is that I just prayed differently. And my heart was different when I was really doing it. Fasting isn't something to be endured. It's, it's just when you start feeding on something else instead of food. Where your, your physical hunger starts to feed you spiritual food. In Psalm 73, it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This is, uh, these, are, these, are, these are words from somebody who's fasting. Hey. And fasting isn't some kind of masochism. Um, we currently live in a very wussed out culture and everything is we're just we're supposed to be comfort comforted all the time and uh, nothing bad is allowed to happen to us or anything but this isn't this isn't really punishing yourself like have you ever been in love before have you ever been in love <laughs> did you ever during that time of being in love forfeit your dignity somehow like did you ever give up your pride during that time, did you ever uh, not care about your status? And during that time, there's like a pleasant pain in it that, man, I'll gladly give up this for that. Philippians 3 says, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In a different scripture, Paul says to live as Christ and to die as gain. That, like, he's everything. If he's everything, then what else matters? 
One of my favorite quotes from John Wimber, who started the Vineyard Movement, is, well, sure, I'm a fool for Christ, because he was being made fun of for just kind of doing some ridiculous things and, and going out into the world and giving away things for free, doing outreaches and kind of making a fool of himself in different ways. And he said, well, I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? And somebody might, what are you, what are you talking about? You're not going to lunch. You're fasting. What, what are you talking about? That's stupid. Yeah. Sometimes I do really stupid things for Jesus. The more deeply you walk with Jesus, the, the more hungry you get for his presence, the more homesick you get for heaven, the more you want the fullness of God, the more you want the kingdom of God to be the reality in your life, the more you want to be done with sin the more you want to see him again, the more you want the church to be revived and thriving, the more you want to see an awakening take place. And if you don't, if you don't feel strong desires for like a thirst or a hunger for God, here's what I would say. It, it's not because you have already drunk deeply or eaten deeply of the things of God and you're satisfied now. What it probably is, is that it's because you've been nibbling at things from the table of the world. And your soul is stuffed with small things and now there's not any room for, for things that are great. Matthew chapter 9 says Jesus is questioned about fasting. Verse 14, then John's disciples came and they asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? A time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, then they'll fast. No one sews a patch of an unshrunk cloth onto an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And Jesus is just saying... Like, fasting is for when you want to see me again. Like, they, they wouldn't be fasting because we're hanging out. There will be a time when they want to see me again. And they're going to fast for it. I've fasted from food, and I've fasted from other things. Um, essentially, the thing that I would challenge you to, if you're even contemplating this, is that you would fast from anything that you've maybe turned into a little God. Anything you've turned into a, a God. The word for it's idolatry. And I know a lot of people who have turned politics into a God. I know a lot of people 
who have turned money into a God, who have turned sex into a God, turned Facebook into a God. Like, no, I'm just on there like all day long. (laughs) Anything that is or has been a substitute for God in any way, uh, there are lots of good things in the world that can actually do great damage to you. And so it could be fasting from, uh, from social media. It could be fasting from caffeine, fasting from sugar, fasting from... Has, what, what has become a little God to you where instead of, instead of praying, instead of seeking him, instead of wanting a wanting from him, like, what, God, what do you want me to want? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to be? Instead of that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to this thing and lottery tickets and take my chances. I'm going to go to, you know, video games. I'm going to go to TV. I'm going to go to food and let that make me feel better instead of inviting God to do that. Fasting would be from things that you shouldn't be, like, you can't fast from things that you shouldn't be doing anyways. You can't give up hookers for Lent. Like, that, that's not what we're talking about. That doesn't work. It's fasting from things that are important to you, even if you're embarrassed to admit that they're important to you. But there's an appetite in you for God and that appetite can be awakened. Today I'm inviting you to, to try something different and turn away from the, the dulling effects of food, the dulling effects of just things that become idols in your life and to, to use that time as a way to say, this much, God, is how, I want, how much I want you. Like, I'm not eating today. This much is how, how much I want you. I'm giving up sugar for as long as I can until I start to hear from you and see you and st- until you meet with me. Because I'm praying that you would be able to hunger for the fullness of God and that you'd be able to feast at the table of grace. My invitation for all of you, anyone who wants to take part in it, uh, is to join me. I'm going to be fasting from food on Thursday. This week on Thursday, I'm going to be focusing on the presence of God in the United States of America. And that he would be bringing a new kind of peace and that the kingdom of God would be poking more holes through and more light would be showing. If you want to join me, it would be fantastic. We're going to send some things out this week about it, but the invitation doesn't have to be for food. Like, I, I have a, a friend of mine who he desperately wanted to fast. He's the skinniest guy ever. 
And it was like after four hours, he was, he was, I almost had to take him to the hospital. And, and I knew it. I'd worked with him before. And if he didn't eat for four or five hours, I mean, he was literally, he's starting to pass out. He's not a good food faster. So we had to come up with a different thing. It might be a different thing for you. But the hard one and the one that I think works the best is food. Thursday night, if you want to make it work, you have to come up with a plan. Uh, the plan would be that you would eat dinner on Thursday. You would eat nothing after that. You would skip breakfast. You would skip lunch. You would skip snacks in between breakfast and lunch. And you would break your fast at dinner on Friday evening. You would have made it a day. And I bet you if you fast for a purpose that you will hear from God in a different way than you have before. Money back guarantee. Let's pray. God, I'm, I'm praying for just a, a, a new severity to just, just to our, our call for you to come and have your way. I just recognize that so many of us, have, we've been complaining for a year, two years, three years about this or that, and yet we've never done really anything meaningful whatsoever to try to change the situation. And so God, I pray that you would, you would place something meaningful on our hearts and you would give us this, this action and that it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be for nothing. I've experienced you in incredible ways during times of fasting and I'm expecting to experience you again. And I pray that people in this room who've never heard from you or seen you or felt you, that they would get it for the first time. That as they abstain from an earthly food, that you would be feeding them a spiritual food. And so we pray for answers. We pray for healing and hope. Pray for peace. We pray for your presence in the United States. We ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. Thank you for being here. If you want to be prayed for, for anything at all, we'll have some prayer team people over here by the cross. And uh, I hope to see you soon. I hope you join me on Thursday. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.